I'm Jessie Aredia, and you're listening to Soul Care for the New Mom, a podcast designed with new moms in mind, where we talk about what it looks like to thrive in motherhood as the free, confident, joy-filled women God has called us to be. Wonderful mamas. I hope that you guys had an amazing Mother's Day. All quarantine and pandemic and social distancing aside, um, in the Aredia household, we did not do much this weekend in terms of celebrating Mother's Day, to be honest. But we did, however, celebrate that there are now five new women who have just enrolled in my six month mom empowered coaching program. Um, I honestly am so overwhelmed with gratitude by how my coaching practice has grown and even just the past few months. It's the sort of thing that I could not have even dreamed up a year ago. Um, It just, you know, shows me how crazy it is, how much can change in even just one year's time. I do want to offer you guys, as my listeners, a special extended offer. As I mentioned last week, I did run a special for $600 off of my program up until Mother's Day. And even though Mother's Day is over, I want to give you guys specifically an opportunity to still take advantage of the offer, even if you miss the deadline. So this episode is airing on May 11th the day after Mother's Day, and I'm allowing anyone who books their free call with me and enrolls in my program by this Wednesday, the 13th at midnight, to still get the $600 off. Again, that means that between now and Wednesday at midnight, you will need to have booked a call with me. There's a form on my website, or you can click the link in my show notes. Just make a note somewhere in the form that you are a listener, that you are taking advantage of this extended offer. Um... The reason why I'm extending it for you guys is because I know that some of you have been listening to the show but are not on my email list or following me on social media. So you maybe have not seen the offer up until now. Maybe you've had no idea that it's been even going on. And if so, that's okay. Probably means that you should either... One, follow me on Instagram or join my free Facebook community or two, at the very least, get on my email list because that is where I primarily make big announcements like this one. I do hope that you don't wait to take advantage of this deal. I can guarantee that another one like this will not be coming again in 2020. This was something super special. I just wanted to offer all of you moms as a way of treating you this Mother's Day, especially knowing that Mother's Day for most of us is looking pretty different this year than it has in years past because of all that's going on in the world. But with all of that being said, I am really excited about today's episode and I'm also nervous. Today's episode is a very personal, vulnerable one, but also one that I believe will offer hope and wisdom to some of you ladies as well. Last week we talked about cultivating the life you want out of the life you've been given. And today I'm talking about what it looks like to cultivate the marriage you want out of the marriage you've been given. I'm going to be sharing a lot of personal details about the journey that my husband Grant and I have been on together these past five years. And I'm going to be talking about some of the harder, more sensitive things that I know a lot of couples are struggling with. Maybe as you're listening, you'll be able to relate because you either have been there or you are currently in similar seasons to what I will be describing. But before we dive in, I do want to clarify two things. First, this episode at some point is not for little ears. 
Um, so please use earphones if you are listening while you're around your kids. It, you know, it doesn't get PG-13 at the beginning, um, but at some point in this episode, it does. So I do just want to give you that heads up. And the second thing is that Grant has given full approval for me to share all of these details with you guys. But even though I'm painting a very detailed picture of our relationship for you all, there are still things that I am choosing to keep private. And there are are also a lot of great things about our marriage that I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on. So by the end of this episode, I just, I just want you to know that you might think you know all of the ins and outs of our marriage, but you really don't. You are hearing the parts that I believe are the most fitting to share right now. Um, so just bear that in mind. That that goes for any time you're listening to a leader or a speaker talk about their marriage in some way. Never assume that they're sharing the full story. Never assume that just because they choose to share things publicly that you now know what their relationship is like. Assuming that really just opens the door for all kinds of unhelpful judgment. And I don't want that to be the space that you find yourselves in as you're listening to this episode. So... With that being said, let's talk about this idea of cultivating the marriage you want out of the marriage you've been given. Now, I'll start off by saying that I have not always been happy with the marriage I have been quote unquote given. In fact, in this current season, there are things about our marriage that I am still not happy with, even things that I resent or, you know, I cause tension over. I'll give you a quick backstory of our relationship. Um, We got married when I was a 21-year-old college student. And being so young, you know, and just being in love, I, I, I had a very specific idea of what life with my husband would look like based off of who we were then, who we hoped to be, the things we shared in common, our values, our interests, our dreams. And there's this scientific belief, I'm really not sure how how based in truth it is, but there are a lot of articles, articles you can Google that will dive deeper into it, but basically there's this belief that everyone becomes a new person every seven or so years. Something to do with old cells dying, new cells being made, I don't even know if it's fully true or not, but here's what I do now. Grant and I have become different people since we first started dating, even since we first got married and also since we first had kids. We've changed. And part of this this ongoing wrestling for me and our relationship is that I'm not happy with all of the changes that we've seen. It's changed the trajectory of our marriage. Granted, maybe not in huge ways, but in ways that still matter deeply to me. One of the biggest differences um, is the difference in how we live out our faith. When we got married as young 20-somethings, we were both on fire for Jesus. We actually met while volunteering with the youth group at our church. And while we were dating, while we were engaged, we regularly prayed together. We read devotionals together. We talked about how we wanted to be true examples to our kids of what it looks like to have a growing relationship with the Lord. We were on the same page in that regard. And granted, we are still on the same page. You know, we, we, we do still share the same faith. We believe the same things. We worship the same God. But while my fire for Jesus has stayed the same, my husband's has not. His is not burning like it did then. And as I've seen his relationship with God lessen and weaken to the point where it's troubled me and it's discouraged me, my desire to do things like pray together and read devotionals together, even just listen to worship music together, my desire has really, really lessened, um, even pretty much disappeared. There's some bitterness there for me. 
I don't want to try to have that super strong Christ-centered marriage when I know that for him, he's not in that place where he wants that for himself. He's not in a place of strong faith or strong conviction. He's just not pursuing the Lord in the way that I am um, and in the way that he honestly knows that he should be. I've become a little judgmental and I'm even sometimes self-righteous or prideful in the way that I talk about faith-related things with grants, one of the biggest sources of conflict for us these days. And the painful part for me, probably also for him, is that, again, this is so different from what we imagined for ourselves years ago. But even knowing that, we just, we still haven't quite figured this one out just yet. I, I don't fully know how to push him in a way that's healthy and effective. And he doesn't know how to be disciplined or work through whatever it is that's keeping him stagnant spiritually and emotionally. The truth is I have always been wired for personal development and growth. That's probably my biggest value in life. It really is. Um, you know, I'm an Enneagram 4 with a strong three wing. So for those of you who are familiar with Enneagram, you, you know, that means that I crave authenticity and I also crave achievement. I, I crave forward movement. And meanwhile, Grant is a seven. He's more carefree. He's not quite disciplined. He runs from things that stretch or hurt you or challenge you. He doesn't go looking for it. So over the years, you know, when I've tried to encourage him and motivate him to do something, anything, whether it's read a book, listen to a motivating podcast, work with a mentor, pursue a hobby, pursue a passion, anytime that I've tried to do that, it just still hasn't happened. And so the distance between him and I, it feels like it's just been continuing to grow and grow and grow. We'll have months where we're in a really good groove and it doesn't bother me so much. And then suddenly it'll, some for some reason, become a big issue again. Maybe because I'm pursuing new goals or I've stumbled upon new revelations that excite me or are challenging me. It's been an ongoing struggle for us, for him and I, because we don't know what to do with these differences. Um, you know, I, and I also know that there's a personality component to it that he and I can't control. Now, I know that as I'm sharing these things, there are probably quite a few of, few of you who know exactly what this is like because you're in the same boat and it's hard. I mean, I, I mean, I just feel like I just need to say that it's hard. It's hard to deal with and to know how to move forward with. Um, but like I said, today's episode is about cultivating the marriage you want out of the marriage you've been given. And I'm going to share with you what is working for us in terms of bridging that divide between him and I and also what's not working for us. Now, the first thing that's working is that I've learned how to set boundaries. The truth is, it is easy to put so much pressure on our relationships, especially for us as women. It's almost like a way for us to measure our worth even. If our marriage is great, then we feel great. But when marriage gets hard, that's when we begin to question things like, am I not worth loving? Am I not worth changing for? What am I doing wrong? Is God pleased with us? I used to feel this way a lot. I took every mistake Grant made, every critical thing that he said, I took it so personally, even if it was just a misunderstanding, because I couldn't bear the thought of being devalued, probably because of past times where I felt devalued as an adolescent or in my other relationships. So instead of handling things well, 
what would end up happening is that everything would get blown out of proportion. I would fight for control. I would fight for him to love me in the way that I thought I deserved to be loved. I would fight for him to do the things I wanted him to do in order for us to have the marriage I wanted us to have. And after years of this fighting and this yelling and giving ultimatums and and almost like destroying us because of how destructive I was being, it finally occurred to me that my warfare strategies were not working. So I began working on learning how to set healthy boundaries instead. There's a great book I recommend on this called Boundaries by John Townsend and Henry St. Cloud. I consider it a must read for everybody. And here's what this book did for me. It freed me up to stop fighting so hard and to just live my life and to enjoy it. The truth is the reason I was so unhappy over so many little things is because I just didn't know how to live my own life. I didn't know that I could I could live my own life. I thought that I had to fix and fix and fix our relationship, but really one of the best things that I did for our relationship a little over a year ago was I stopped trying to fix our relationship and I instead just worked on fixing other things about myself that I cared about. A lot of you guys know that in January 2019, I began a weight loss journey. I lost 50 pounds, and that might not sound like much to some of you guys, but at the time, the idea of even losing five pounds felt impossible to me. So yeah, being on the other side of that weight loss, I'm still super, super proud of myself. Um, I think about it all the time. I'm just in awe of that journey that that I had been on. And around that same time, you know, that I began this weight loss journey, I also began investing more in other relationships and my friendships. I started going to a women's Bible study. I started going over to girlfriends' houses to watch The Bachelorette. You know, I went to mom's night out events. And at the time, I also launched an online course, which did flop, granted, but I know that I wouldn't be where I am today with my business if I hadn't experienced that and learned from that. So Here's the thing from all that, as I was working on losing weight, spending more time with friends, working on creating a business that I was excited and passionate about, as I was doing these things, all of a sudden, fixing my marriage didn't feel like this big looming obligation in my life. I I was happier now. And for reasons that didn't really have to do with whether everything was fine between Grant and I. And I'm not saying that my marriage didn't matter anymore or that it wasn't worth the work and the effort because yes, I did ultimately have to keep working on our relationship. It does still matter. The thing that changed though was that instead of working on our relationship out of a place of discontent or unhappiness or desperation, I was now able to work on our relationship out of genuine desire because for the first time my worth no longer felt like it was tied up in what Grant was doing or what Grant was not doing. Now, I had other things going for me, things that made me feel happy and accomplished and gave me something to work toward. And the reason this relates to setting boundaries is because in order for me to start to pursue these things, I had to be willing to speak up for my wants and my needs. I had to be willing to have conversations like, hey, babe, I know that we're used to watching Netflix for hours on end every night after the girls go down, but I want to spend a few nights a week elsewhere. And you can choose to do whatever you want to do on those nights. And I hope that you'll use those evenings wisely. But I'm not going to dictate that for you. I'm just going to do this for me. You know, I've I've had to have conversations like that. I've even had to have conversations like, hey, no, you're not going to speak to me like that. 
because I know I'm worth more now. I love my life. I have purpose and passion. I'm dedicated to my goals. You don't get to throw these critical remarks around because I messed up or because, you know, you don't understand. I know what defines me and that is not one of them. Now, these are the kinds of conversations that really started to change things for us. And I'm not saying that Grant became a new person from them or our marriage experienced this complete 180 immediately, although it did experience a 180 eventually, and I will get to that in a minute. But what I am saying is that I was a more confident woman in that season. And that confidence, that kind of empowerment that I felt in my life made a bigger impact on us in a positive way, a way bigger impact on on us than me yelling and threatening and being angry ever did. Now, once I stopped trying to work so hard on fixing our marriage, on fixing Grant, and instead I focused on working on myself, that was when I was able to work on our marriage and really, truly do it in a healthy way. I was more open to it. I wasn't coming at it from this place of resentment or desperation. Actually, at this point, I had become so self-actualized, if that's what you want to call it. I don't even know, but I, I, I had gotten to the point where Grant was now the one begging us to work on our issues. He was the one who was like, babe, we should go to marriage counseling. He was the one who began fighting hard for us to be better, to mend this disconnect between us. And I do want to make a note that at this point, I was not fully healthy. I was still, you know, I still had a whole bunch of junk I was working through. So as I'm sharing all these things, I don't want you to think that I was somehow the better one, the stronger one, the healthier one between the two of us, because in many ways, Grant was still better and stronger and healthier than me. You know, you know, we both had our struggles. We both had our personal issues, but here's what happened. When I took a step back, so to speak, from our relationship and I began to figure out what really mattered most to me, what what were my values, my interests, my passions, my goals and my dreams. When I did that, by the time we did start working on our marriage again, I actually now had very different ideas of what I wanted for us than what I wanted before. You know, I realized that, yes, I did still want him and I to have a faith-led, Christ-centered relationship. I want each of us to grow in our relationship with God. But now that I was willing to accept that we do have different values and interests and goals, now I was able to find more creative ways to work around him, to work around his values, his interests his goals. You know, I wasn't pushing and pulling him to pray more, be in the word. Instead of doing that, I made it a goal of mine to just meet Grant where he's at. You know, I wanted to help him hang out with men who could, who could model um, a, a more faith-centered life for him because I knew that Grant valued community. He values friendship. And since we became parents, we really, we really had not been regularly involved in any sort of community outside of just going to church once a week and then me having my own group of friends through my local mom's club. So what we did at this point was we started hanging out with other couples. We went on double dates. We had couples over for dinner all the time. And there was one couple in particular who, you know, we still hang out with regularly who just did a great job of steering our conversations toward more faith-minded things. And, you know, being able to have those conversations with them, you know, enabled us to be honest about where we were at, how we were struggling, what we were wrestling through. It was so refreshing for us. I know it was super refreshing for Grant um, and it was encouraging to him because now he, he had an outlet that more suited him than what I was trying to force on him. 
He was not having that picture-perfect quiet time. He was still not leading family devotions or sitting down with me and having these theological discussions. But I could tell that there were things he wanted to talk about and wanted to process through. And seeing him in this new environment where he could be around another male and feel comfortable to bring these things up, seeing that made me feel more comfortable. Like maybe I had been too harsh, you know, maybe I, maybe I was too uptight. Maybe my idea of what growing in faith looks like doesn't have to be the same as how he grows in his faith. And still to this day, he doesn't crack open his Bible all that much, but he listens to sermons on his commute, you know, and he doesn't pray with me regularly or even really much at all. But honestly, I, you know, I'm not at a point where I want us to regularly pray together just yet. And he does still pray these genuine, thoughtful prayers at the dinner table that are so sweet and I so, I so appreciate. So you might have very strong values and interests and goals or ideas of what you want in your life and for your marriage. But here's what I want you to know. Your partner has to have his own. He most likely does have his own values and interests and ideas, and those may not match yours. At one point, those different things, those different ideas and interests, that may have been what attracted you to him. Or maybe they're things that weren't uncovered until later, and now you're having to adapt to them. But either way, there is a way to leave room for your values and goals while also leaving room for his. In fact, there are ways to combine the two together. And that can actually make you feel like a team more than ever. It's crazy to think that something as heavy and serious as becoming foster parents could unite Grant and I. But as we went through the training to become certified, we became very close to one another. We were having super vulnerable conversations. He was comforting me at night as I would share my fears and we would, you know, we would dream up what the future might look like as we embark on this journey together. We felt like a true team and honestly, maybe more so of a team than we felt as parents to the kids we already had because this was something new and kind of exciting and also terrifying. And it was a common mission that we both felt passionate about and we both wanted to get behind. We've also realized that even though I am a high achieving woman and he doesn't have quite as many things that he's working toward or wants to achieve, there are actually really good positives to this. Like the fact that as my business has grown, he has been willing to step up more as a parent. He's the one who now cooks and cleans the home. He's taken on a more supportive role in a way that doesn't necessarily conform to the gender stereotypes in our culture or even to the, you know, the, the traditional roles that you might talk about in the church. But this works for us and it makes me appreciate him so much. Even though I could still argue that the marriage we have is still not quite the marriage I want. You know, he's, he's not he's not the Dave Hollis to my Rachel by any means. I can still see how amazing it is that we are each wired in the way that we are. Because we are still a team. Even while I'm pursuing my goals and he's not. Because he's learned how to come alongside me. And I've stopped trying to pull him into my world. And instead, I've just been focusing on the positives and the fact that he's not a part of that world. Because it frees us up to find this groove that works well for us and works well for our family. Now, I mentioned that it's important for us to not just recognize our own values and goals, but also to recognize our partner's values and goals and to make room for those. But I, I want to go back to this for a second because 
part of the struggle in our marriage these past few years is, is that Grant's values and interests and goals have not been very clear. They, 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 they've been very elusive to him and to me. In fact, we've dug into this multiple times with our marriage counselor and it has only become more painfully aware to us that Grant does not know himself very well, <laughs> like at all. And this is frustrating for me as his partner. And maybe your spouse is like this as well, but here's what I'll say. Part of cultivating the marriage you want out of the marriage you've been given is learning how to play the long game and how to also be okay with the fact that it might take many more seasons, many more years before the thing you want to happen happens. My husband Grant, he would never officially diagnose himself as this. He doesn't even use this kind of language, even though I have many times and he doesn't argue with me. In fact, when he read the notes for today's episode, he was like, yeah, that's totally fine because, you know, like he wouldn't officially say it, but he understands that it's true. Um, it, Grant has been struggling with depression and it's not so severe to where it's affecting his ability to work or to be a parent or to be a spouse, but it's been dulling his desire for things in life um, for a while. It's what keeps him from having aspirations or pursuing passions. It's what makes it easy for him to stay stagnant. Um, or just want to check out. It's even part of what makes him so critical at times. You know, he's he's not always the nicest person. Neither am I, you know, neither am I. But realizing that he's been dealing with this depression for quite some time and that I have no idea of when things will get better has been really challenging for me. But it's also been a reminder to me that there are deeper things at play here And that having that marriage I dream of might take longer to build and I have to be patient in the process. In the same way that Grant could not just make me snap out of my postpartum rage as a new mom or make me any less of a perfectionist and, and, you know, an anxious mom until I went on that journey of healing, I cannot make him snap out of this depression. I can find things that might ease it. You know, I can make it a priority for us to do the things he loves. You know, we go on double dates. I remind him that life can be fun. I can attempt to encourage him to find what will make him more happy. I can't count the number of times I've just said to him, hey, look, if you want to quit your job, like, I don't care. We will find a way to make it work, even if we barely scrape by. I just want you to be in an environment where you're thriving, where you're fulfilled and you feel happy again. But even with me saying that, nothing's really changed. This depression or apathy or whatever you want to call it, it's still a part of our lives that I can't force away. So instead, I'm having to learn how to play the long game. Again, this is why it helps to really focus in on being your own person, pursuing your own goals, having your own life, because Allowing a difficult season, allowing something that your partner is walking through to keep you in place when you could be moving forward and finding joy and purpose, that does not help anyone. That is not cultivating the life you want and definitely not the marriage you want. That is a slow death. Now, I hope by now that you've picked up on the fact that most of what I'm talking about in terms of building this stronger, better marriage actually doesn't have a whole lot to do with your partner. And rather has more to do with how you're choosing to live and manage your life. But I'm sure you're also wondering, okay, like, now what? Is that it? You know, what else is there? You said that your marriage experienced this complete 180, so there's got to be more to it, right? And so, yes, yes, our marriage did experience a complete 180. And most of it did come from being my own person, growing in confidence, learning how to set better boundaries, making space for Grant to be his own person, 
But I do also want to spend the rest of this episode um, getting into the rest of the story. You know, there are a few other points on how to cultivate the marriage you want out of the marriage you've been given. These things are more practical. And this is the part of the conversation where I recommend not listening around small children because I want to have a candid conversation with you guys about sex, about intimacy and pleasure. Now, there may be those of you who disagree, but I have a feeling that most of you would say that part of having a thriving marriage involves having a thriving sex life. And as someone who's had seasons of super low libido, super low desire, never wanting to have sex with my husband as a result of becoming a mom and all of the hormones and the changes that happened to my body, as someone who's been in that And has also, you know, as someone who's also had seasons of having a healthy libido and enjoying sex and actually experiencing pleasure and satisfaction from sex, there are two things I attribute this transformation to that that I want to share with you guys just, you know, in a real candid, honest way. The first thing that I would say really boosted the amount of pleasure, really increased my desire for intimacy again. The first thing is my level of confidence. Like I said, I started off 2019 by working on myself, pursuing things that mattered to me, like losing weight, starting a business, spending time with friends. And what happened as a result was that as I grew in confidence, I didn't just grow in my confidence, you know, in my ability to enjoy my life. I also grew in confidence to you know, be comfortable with my body. You know, I I now like felt like I was worth more. Like, you know, I I saw more of my beauty, of my purpose, of, you know, how God created me. Now, obviously losing weight helped a lot, but it was more than that. I know it was. I felt confident in my body because I felt confident with my mind. I was accomplishing things, proving things, challenging myself, pushing myself. And as crazy as it might sound, I felt sexier because of this. I started to think, hey, I'm a pretty dang good catch. I started coming on to Grant more. And this may be TMI, but I even wanted to be on top more. Because in a way, it symbolized how I felt about my life. I felt like I was dominating my life. I was crushing it. So I can't emphasize enough how important it is for wives to cultivate a life that they are happy with in terms of cultivating a marriage that they are happy with. You've got to get out of victim mode and start owning your life first. Chase your dream, pursue your passion, set that big goal, and then actually accomplish it because I promise it will reap so much fruit in your life and in your relationship if you would just take the time to explore and prioritize what matters to you. Everything begins to change because of it. But then also the second thing that has greatly improved our sex life, and I'm not going to go into super full detail, um, but I will say this, that the second thing that's improved our sex life was learning my way around a vibrator. Now, I'll admit it wasn't until our fourth year of marriage that I had my first orgasm during intercourse. And now that we figured out how to make that happen, oh, I don't make excuses for sex anymore. I do not. I want it. Because now I get to experience just as much pleasure as my husband does. My motivation for starting things up in the bedroom has spiked tenfold. And I'm just going to leave that there. You can do with that information what you wish. You know, I just want you to consider whether there are more options for you in terms of increasing your pleasure in the bedroom. But another way that Grant and I have been able to practically cultivate more of the marriage we want out of the marriage we've been given is just to continue being best friends. 
you know, we realized that we have very different tastes in most music, but we both love listening to Johnny Swim. So now if we want to set the mood or we just want to feel more connected when we're in the car or while we're working on dinner together, we'll queue up a Johnny Swim playlist and, and it does the trick. You know, it bonds us together. It brings up more fun between us. We also have very different tastes in podcasts. Now, I love personal development podcasts. He loves comedy podcasts. But we did, however, find one that we both really enjoyed together, and it's called The Popcast, hosted by Jamie Golden and Knox McCoy. And this has become our go-to podcast when we're out running errands. And here's the thing. It might sound so trite like so mundane to listen to podcasts together like oh really that's the secret to building a better stronger marriage but listen do not take for granted the things that make you laugh or make you both think or make you both feel connected because these are the things that maintain connection when things are struggling physically these are the things that remind you that you do want to spend 40 or 50 more years with this person even though things aren't quite as spicy or as exciting as they once were Another way we maintain our friendship, again, is just to go on double dates. We love hanging out with other couples. We realized for us that going on dates by ourselves is kind of boring. So now we only really want to go out with other couples and it works for us. It's fun. It gets us in community. Um, You know, and we also maintain our friend. We also maintain our friendship by talking with one another, just sharing what's going on in our lives, which is another reason why having your own life is pretty valuable because there reaches a point where talking about potty training or when you're going to get the emissions done on the car, that just doesn't cut it. At some point in the past year, our marriage had made what we would both call a complete 180. We started marriage counseling with a lot of issues. On a scale of 1 to 10, we were at about a 3 or 4 in terms of happiness. And after about 9 months time, we both agreed that we were at an 8, which granted is not a 10, but that's still pretty good. And what's funny is that we both realized that it actually wasn't really the counseling that made us go up in scale, but really it was the things that we were each doing day to day outside of those sessions. Like me continuing to work hard on my goals, him continuing to be a supportive partner, me loosening up loosening up on my expectations, him spending less time on his, on his phone, us having sex more, going out with friends more. It all made a difference. But now here's the tricky thing. We're not in that amazing season anymore. And I'm a little embarrassed to admit that because after saying, hey, we've made a complete 180, who wants to say, oh, never mind, we're kind of back where we were. But here's what I have to say on this. Our marriage right now is not where I wish it would be. Issues that I thought we were past are coming up again. I'm hormonal. I'm more emotional. I'm, you know, as a result of being pregnant, I don't feel like having sex. Grant is still struggling with his job. He's feeling apathetic, still feeling depressed. We fight over little things. You you get the picture. Like, it's not perfect over here. If we're supposed to be the poster couple for cultivating the marriage you want out of the marriage you've been given, we're not doing all that amazing of a job. But what I will leave you with is this one last piece of wisdom on cultivating the marriage you want out of the marriage you've been given. It's a process that never ends. And I know that sounds bleak. I know that's not what we want to hear. We all have this hope that there will be a point where we just reach it and we never have to struggle. We never have to rehash issues or walk through difficult seasons again. But the truth is relationships change. You know, we've realized this for ourselves, especially these past few months. Relationships change. They ebb and flow. They evolve. They're tested. And sometimes it just, it's a matter of taking two steps forward, one step back. It's a constant dance and one that few of us are actually good at. 
But as I'm sharing these things with you guys, I'm feeling this burning hope in my heart, this hope for my own marriage, this hope for your marriage. And it's this hope born out of Philippians chapter one, verse six, that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. I know that your marriage might not be what you wish it would be right now, but don't stop fighting the good fight. Don't stop running this race. It is possible to mend the divide and to find those points of connection again. It's possible to mature and become healthier and to learn how to set boundaries for what matters and let go of what doesn't. It's possible to be that team who is on mission toward a common goal while also being two individuals with distinct passions and different dreams. My friend, marriage is hard, so don't beat yourself up for living in the reality of that. But also don't stop working toward growth, toward building and cultivating that stronger, better one. Because you can create the marriage you want out of the marriage you've been given. It won't be an overnight process. And you will most likely have to do it many times again. I mean, Grant and I are living in the proof of that. But it's worth it. The pain is worth it. Because there's also so much beauty and so much opportunity for God to work in you both. He is not done with you yet, and he's not done with your husband. So do not, do not, do not be done with your marriage. 